Reviewing TV shows and films, dishing out sports picks and dimes, providing you a slice of economics with a hidden gem tied in. Become a paid subscriber to Preston Super Show at anchor.fm slash Preston's Super Show slash subscribe. Thanks for listening and God bless. Welcome to Preston Super Show, and we're talking exclusively Bellator 291, and it's the big one, baby. There are 18 fights on this card. I heard someone talking about the card. Um, Some people like to give out their picks one by one. That's just too much to track down. The algorithms can't keep track of all that. And, you know, I understand it from the like purpose of content but it's just better to just do it all at once in either a short or a podcast or a video however you want to do it and just get it out there all at once so people can scroll back and look through it and see where you're starting and stopping at Uh, that's my opinion that's my hot take on the matter i seen a guy give out all the picks but two and he went through them all you know that i mean that can happen you know people get to rushing and stuff but i like to see what a general consensus is but i also have the the lines up for us so everything is going to be clicking today <clears throat> and i just ate some pizza Uh, And a donut earlier, and I've had some coffee. I got some coffee right here. It's a good day. It's windy. It's cold. It's uh, 34 degrees and cloudy. Um, You can hear the wind. I can hear the wind right here. I am 787 wins and 561 losses with 23 draws slash no contest bringing my percentage to 58.4%. And that's really good. Any model out there is not going to give you that. Any any gambling model, any betting model is not going to give you that. I also have some bets for you today, some parlays, because there's just too many fights to not be on here. This is where the action is. Like you got you um you know some football tonight. With the XFL, that's going to be fun. But everybody's looking to tomorrow. You know, and there is football, but one game because there's a huge Bellator card early on, 10 a.m. Because they're in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, UFC then follows it up with a huge card. That's UFC Fight Night 220. That's a big card for the UFC. So this is a big, big Saturday. So we're going to start it off right with the first fight. Um, and this looks like, you know, I, when I looked at the card, um, kind of looked to me like there's a lot of guys that should win and a lot of guys that can win. And I think that's a good way to describe this card completely, uh, for the main event, you got two 
guys that are going to uh, really go at it. I mean, don't be fooled there. Now, it looks like <clears throat> we could get Stephen Hill versus Joel Kwaja first. But I'm going to go with what it has listed here um, on Tapology. And they have Kassan Megamed Sharapo versus Raphael Hudson in the first fight. <clears throat> Anybody follows the sport knows Raphael's a hard hitter. Um, but he struggled to get, you know, over in his career. Um, in his last five fights, he's got three losses. He's coming off a win. Um, but he's up against the taller, um, and more elusive Magum. And that's the best way to describe him. Kassan Magomed Shapirov. 7-0, and fighting out of Russia in that Dagestan. Um, and you know, they're just pumping out fighters out of Dagestan. I mean, that, you know, that's another thing to take note of. So, you know, you got the Brazilian who's got to travel. This was one of my points I wanted to make, too, and I'm glad I'm making it now because I'm just, you know, free. You know, I have some stuff up, but I don't have any, any writing up for this. And I just in my head, I know, because I've been going through it for the last couple of days here looking at this card. But I really got into it and uh, even watching footage of some of these guys. Uh, that I wasn't too sure about. And Raphael Hudson, I like him, but I don't like him to win this fight. I think Megamed Shapirov wins this fight because I think the fact he's so elusive, he's going to be hard to track down, and he's going to tire Raphael Hudson out. Because what happens is when guys got to travel so far, you're going from Brazil to Ireland, and here is... Kassan Megamed Shapirov, who's fighting in Russia. So it's not that far to go to get to Ireland. And, uh, you know, you really have a situation where a guy in his gas tank, uh, I think is going to let him down a little bit. And um, there's a general consensus out there that that he's just not going to be able to, to carry a lot of that power with him on the trip. And uh, Kassan Megamed Shapirov is the minus... 1,200 favorite folks. I mean, that's a big underdog, a six to one underdog, almost a seven to one underdog at plus 68 for Raphael Hudson. Now I can speed it up since we got going on that first fight and what could potentially be the first fight could be Stephen Hill versus Joel Quada out of uh, France who fights with Atch Academy. But here's the thing about Stephen Hill. Fighting in England, okay, Sparta MMA, and he uh, really is in his prime right now. I want to say that, but in the last uh, four fights, uh, last five fights, he's got four wins, and so does Quada. Now, Quada's coming off a loss, right? Here's the thing about Hill, is he's going to have that a little bit of an advantage there. Not from being so close to Ireland, because it's not like France is so, so far away. It's just a matter of his his skill level, his striking ability. And uh, the the big knock on Joel and the reason he's a three to one uh, underdog in, in most sports books is because he leaves himself exposed too much. And here's a guy that is uh okay going the distance 
um, who knows when to take his shots and uh, is taking this fight almost as like a home guy. This is like almost like a home field advantage type situation for him. He's going to have the crowd behind him a little bit there. And that's going to really help push him for the victory. I think he does win uh, somehow by KO. Uh, probably second round makes the most sense. And a uh, little bit of the same scenario for Mega Med Shapiro versus Raphael Hudson. A KO in the second round uh, makes the most sense for those two if they finish and get a victory. If not, and it goes to decision then those two fighters would have done enough to win, in my opinion. But, you know, straight money line is just not going to cut it with uh, the prices where they're at. And that's why we have the parlays in effect for this card. The next fight is a really interesting matchup. And I kind of really like I really like this next fight for the fact that somehow Skatizi uh, comes in so heavily favorited, but yet the consensus from people has been that uh, his opponent, Dimitri Hestinko, is going to somehow, you know, overpower him and be too overbearing, sort of like that Alfie Davis fight. But this isn't that fight. And that was three years ago, almost four years ago now, when he fought Alfie Davis. Now what you're looking at is a Skatizi that has gotten better fighting out of Rome, Italy. Um, with and you know, working with SBG Ireland. And the thing about Dimitri Hostinko is he has a perfect record at seven and oh. Fights out of uh Ukraine and I have a lot of respect for the man um, at 25 years of age but Skatizi let's note this that he is hitting his prime right now at 29 years of age uh, his birthday be turning 30 in a few months he's hitting his prime right now and he wants to put this together you know there's there's a few knocks on his game for sure that he doesn't um, finish his takedowns enough and uh, he's he's not committing to the stand up enough, but ultimately he's a formidable opponent, and I think he's the one that's going to be doing the overpowering in this fight. And Skatizi has really worked on his game and gotten better, coming off a win against Davy Gallen, who's a good fighter. Um, I like Skatizi here. He is the favorite. He's a big favorite. I'm not understanding that. Why so big? But minus 215, which is which in uh, MMA is pretty much a slight favorite. But uh, for the casual better, it's a little bit more than a slight favorite. And there's so much value with uh, Dimitri here that if he does surprise that the books are going to eat it big on that fight so i'm i'm just looking at this for what it is and for how this is sized up now here's the problem with this fight is there's not a lot of data there's not a lot of information out there about dimitri hostrinko in his last seven fights then his last fight 
is a year and five months ago. So that doesn't make a lot of sense for a guy that fought a year and five months ago to now all of a sudden he's got so much power that he's just going to walk through a guy who won three months and three weeks ago against a really good opponent who, and you know, here's, like I said, Scatizzi hitting his prime, um, fighting, uh, bigger opponents, but this fight at welterweight. And I think that that's a good place for him to be, um, against a slender Hostrinko and the fact that when he gets into those clinch situations, he's going to be able to utilize his, uh, his power and his strength just from, um, fighting at, at different weights and, and being accustomed to different weights. So I think that that's going to help Skatizi. I like him in that fight. So then we move on to Kenny Mokana versus Craig McIntosh. Here's the problem. Um, and I think Skatizi wins by decision. I think he outlasts the guy. Um, and he, he, he tends to win by decision. Tends to like a decision victory. Six knockouts on his record. Five decision wins. Been a decision nine times. So, I mean, you tell me, you know. Seems like he likes to go the distance. He's comfortable with going the full three rounds. And I could see, you know, Skatizi pulling out the decision there unanimously. Against a guy who hasn't fought, it's going to show some ring rust there in over a year. Almost, you know, dang near two years. So, it's going to be a big difference in fight IQ for sure um, as that fight goes on. But Kenny Mokana and Craig McIntosh, this is a fight that people are overlooking McIntosh in. He's very skilled on the ground. Um, he, I mean, he pulled off that Japanese necktie on a guy. Um... But on the feet, he can get in trouble. But see, he really doesn't have to worry about that here. Because Kenny Mokana just wants to get you down. And he is a um, sizable favorite. And I, I think that um, that's well reflected. And he's another guy that here he is fighting out of Ireland. Working with SBG, who has a ton of guys lined on this card. Who's really taken over? They've really taken over Bellator. This, um, this gym has, uh, and that's you know part of the success and part of the training and how how uh, much respect they've garnered. And at higher level martial arts, where Craig McIntosh is fighting out of, uh, they do a lot of good things, and that's why he's been able to be successful on the ground. So I think like the first round is a feeling out process. Where Kenny Mokana's got to figure out, okay, if I if I can't get him down easy, what's you know my game plan? Is it to try to soften him up? Is it to wait for him to make a mistake? And I think that Craig McIntosh is just a little bit outmatched on the ground, and his best bet is to keep it on the feet. But I don't think he will, and I think he's going to fall into the trap of thinking he can beat Mokan on the ground, and he's going to lose his fight and get submitted somewhere in the second round. I see that happening is my prediction there. 
Then we get a fight that's really interesting. It's a woman's fight at flyweight. Uh, you got two women coming in here. One all the way from San Diego, California, where she's fighting out of Jenna Bishop, who's on a bit of a roll right now. Uh, been kind of a product of the LFA, which I like. I'm a big fan of the LFA. It's an established um, amateur mixed martial arts league, in my opinion. The most established one. Bellator, that's real deal. UFC, that's the biggest. One championship, that's real deal, too, for sure. And there's other things like bare knuckle and stuff like that. Some other offshoot, you know, MMAs regionally and all that stuff. But the most established one besides that, that's going to get some TV time, going to get some airplay. Uh, you're going to get that LFA, baby. Especially they got like the UFC owns them or something too. So it, you know, it helps. So she ends up being here, uh, at 37 years of age against a 24 year old out of Greece, Elina Kalanadu, who, let me tell you right now, they nickname, her nickname is Gunner fighting out of Amago's gym. And you're putting that gym up against Alliance Jiu Jitsu San Diego. So it's going to be a good contest. And a lot of people are a little bit unsure. So you're seeing a lot of people saying, you know what? Jenna Bishop by decision. Jenna Bishop by decision. No, I don't believe that. I th I'm on the other side of that. Here's a, um, like I said, you know, you have a woman that's got to travel very, very far to get to this place to fight. And then you have Elina Kalanadu, who doesn't really have to go as far um north of where she's at so uh there's a lot of value here with her at plus 120 some books have her at plus 125 and that's where the value's at in this fight because she can get the job done on the feet get the job done on the ground um she doesn't want this to go to decision unfortunately i think it will but i think she will have done enough to win this fight she's my pick to win by decision now, remember, for it to count, all she has to do is win on uh, the p predictions. Why Why uh, I'm giving out precise picks because it helps you when you're making your wagers. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's how I uh, picture it happening. But for it to count, for the win to count, all I need is a fighter to win that I pick. And uh, I'm, I'm only going with uh, money lines on this. Bellator card. Most of the time, you're not going to find rounds uh, listed, and if you do, that's probably the only other option there. UFC gives you a little bit more, um, you know, options, a little bit more depth on what you can do. But you no, know, as far as MMA, it's just I like winners and I like picking winners, and uh, you'll hear my parlays later. So we get to another stellar fight, a really good fight. And they did a good job designing this card because you get to showcase a lot of good talent versus good talent, in my opinion. And you have the Sultan Azil Adojo versus Liam McCracken, who really is a firecracker. Now, here's the thing. Both these guys don't have like all this professional experience. These guys have, you know, fought amateur you know, fought some amateur fights, came up to the big leagues, and now they're on Main Street in Bellator. And here's a chance for SBG Ireland, uh, Jim and the, the association to kind of put another notch in their belt against a, another fighter, um, from England. And you have the Sultan, Azil, 
uh, Aduju, who is fighting out of Dublin, Ireland with SBG Ireland. And Liam McCracken has been training really hard. Um, his last fight was two months ago. And uh, he had a good win in FCC. Before that, six months ago, he fought in Vita. Well, uh, a year ago, he fought in uh, Almighty Fight League. So what, what does that tell you? Well, that tells me he likes to take fights where he can get them. And it's been, you know what I mean, one of those things for him where he'll go where the fight is. So I like that about him. And on the other side, you have Azil Adoju, who the fight's been coming to him. He came into Bellator and, uh, you know, he wasn't, didn't have success right away. But something happened after that fight where he turned it around, KOing, uh, knocking out uh, Nathan Jessamere. And then from there, he went to the UAE Fight League for a little bit, fought there, submitted uh, Ozdek Azmiyov, beat Salim Al-Bakri, and then came back into Bellator and had kicked his way into this fight four months ago. And both these guys have good camps for this fight. It's pretty even as far as uh, camps go. Liam McCracken maybe a little bit shorter time to get ready. But ultimately, this is a fight that both these guys want. Because at this point in their careers, this is where they are at. You understand? So this is, you know what I mean? Like, they're, you know, Azil is 24 years old and Liam McCracken's only 21. So you're talking about an, not a big, you know, age gap at all. You're talking these guys around the same age and um, you're going to see a lot of footwork in this fight. And I think that benefits Azil because I think that's the type of fight he's going to want to have here. And it's at featherweight. And these are two guys that really want to put on a show. Um, and this is going to be something that the crowd really gets into. Whether they know where which guy's fighting out of which gym, who knows. But the crowd will get into this. This will be something to see here. And Azil is the minus 125 favorite on DraftKings. And Liam McCracken plus 105 underdog. Uh, I like Azil, the Sultan, Adoju. I think he is uh, pr- a little bit more prepared for this fight, in my opinion. I think he's ready to take this all the way. I think the, you know, everything is kind of positioning him to win this fight. And uh, I don't see it like ending uh, quickly. The next fight's going to be a scrap as well. You're going to get. Derog Kelly versus Dorvel Jordan in a featherweight fight. It's going to be quick. It's going to be fast paced. Um, I don't think this fight's going to go long. Derog Kelly, this guy is, is you know, uh, a brick house. And he's up against Dorvel Jordan, who's a good opponent, but leaves himself exposed fighting out of France. Here's another SBG Ireland guy in Derog Kelly who, I mean, when this guy steps on the scales, you feel it. And he's just been, you know what I mean, kind of on a roll. In his career, but as he as he's come into Bellator this last year, he's picked up two wins in Bellator and and he hasn't looked back. And here, um, you know, Dorval Jordan has been fighting in some other fight leagues and had some success, not so much success in others, and uh, has a lot has a lot of power. Can't be underestimating your opponent, but there's something to be said for SBG Ireland and all these guys. They're they're pumping out into these fights and they they got some some dirt on their opponents they know some things they they're they're going to be prepared um everybody fighting out of that gym um 
and and wow, what a resource to have all these different guys in all these different weight classes. So, Derrod Kelly, I think, goes out there, wins in the first round. I think he finishes this early. If you find the rounds, go under the rounds, under, you know, two and a half, under one and a half. I'm okay with that, too, because I don't see this fight going over one and a half rounds. I don't see it going more than one round. I see Derrod Kelly coming out there showing his strength, showing his size, his speed. When you go to the sports book and, and look, you're going to see him as a minus 950 favorite. I mean, there's no money to be made there. Um, and all the values on Dorville Jordan at plus six to one, but it, that, that's not value, folks. What that is, is is a trap. Don't fall into that trap. Let him prove it to you. Don't be on the side of the guy trying to chase it. You know what I mean? Be, be the one that says, no, you got to prove it to me before I can, I can go there with you. So the next fight, um, Pior Nazil, Nazilsic versus Richie Smullen. And there's a big buildup for Richie Smullen here because, you know, here's a guy that, um, at 31 years of age has made it to the UFC, has, you know, did fight over there, but he didn't have any success. And then he kind of hit a turning point in his career, came into Bellator, actually, lost and 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 kind of was things were a little bit of question there on you know what what he needed to correct because uh it seemed like you know we all were expecting something else and then he hit it and then he hit his uh he's hit his peak but he hasn't fought in a year and here's another guy that i get you know weird with when i'm like ah you haven't fought in months and months you know and he's up against a really strong Piorti uh, Nizilsic out of Poland, um, who is just a brute in the octagon. And this guy's just been on a roll. He's He's been taking the their best guys they've thrown at him and beating them. And this is another one of those scenarios where Bellator's giving them one of their best, you know, products now. Because, you know, Richie Small and I look at it as a Bellator product now. And uh, a product of SBG Ireland, yes, but he's just been training with them, you know. It's different when a guy starts training with them and a guy's been training with them. And the thing about uh, Piorte and Nazilsic is he's not paying attention to that. Fighting here at 145 pounds, this is a fight where Nazilsic is kind of, you know, how do you say it, a game plan fighter. And he's going to stick to his guns. What he's been able to do so far in his career is finish guys who have challenged him on the feet, submit guys who have taken him and wanted to challenge them on the ground and uh, win the decisions that were close. And I really want to be on the side of that um, in mixed martial arts. And Richie Smullen, yes, I do think he's going to put on a show. Um, he reminds me, you know, a couple different fighters are like that in the UFC. Um, you, you got a couple names you could throw in that hat with them. The big one that sticks out that reminds me of Richie Smullen is, uh, and this is a big compliment, um, is Darren Elkins. He reminds me a lot like Darren Elkins. Like, he's not going to quit. So I don't think there's going to be a finish in that fight. I would be taking the over everywhere you could get it on the rounds. And then I would also be saying that uh, be prepared because at minus 280, um, that's a pretty heavy favorite for Piorte Nazilsic. And everybody's going to be slamming that value at plus 220 with Richie Smullen. But I'm not going to get caught in that line. Next fight, we have Brian Moore versus Luca Levine. And here's the thing about Luca Levine. 
I like him. I think he's a good fighter. Problem is, he hasn't had the type of fights or um, the type of like showings, I should say, that really make me think he's going to beat Brian Moore, who is pretty battle-tested, fought some of the top competition in Bellator, and has held his ground really well. Fought four months ago and got a win uh, in a decision unanimously. That is how I see this fight going. I I also want to note he's quite bigger than Luke Levine. Luke Levine at uh five foot four up against a five foot eight with the sixty nine inch reach. Um it's plenty enough to keep this right where Brian Moore wants it. He's great with uh being approached and he's good with the grappling. The public consensus has really favored him um, to win by decision because those are the type of type of fights he likes. He's a four to one favorite at the sports books, minus four ten. The best you're gonna find him right now is minus four hundred, and I can honestly say it's it's a it's pretty clear and cut. If Brian Moore does get outstruck on the feet, he's going to turn this fight into a a, a, a wrestling match and. He's going to make sure that he has the, the more dominant position in this fight against Luca Levine, who he just has such a size advantage against. It's just, it's hard for me to get around that in this fight. I like Brian Moore to win by decision. Um, it's clear in my head. Then we get a really cool fight where, um, Norbert Navini Jr., who, if you know anything about mixed martial arts, you know this guy's a prospect. You know he's a big name. Um, on the, on the up and coming scene. And right now he is undefeated fighting out of London, England. Uh, nationality is hung from Hungary and he training with the London shoot fighters. Now, both these guys, Norbert Nervini Jr. and Andy Monzalo are five foot 11. Reach is identical. Little, you know, a little bit of a little bit of an edge for Norbert, but here's the thing. Andy Manzalo is a crafty veteran in this fight. The problem I have with him is he's just a little bit too slow. And it's not going to work against a, an up-and-comer, a rising star, a guy that was going to want to get quick, get right to it, because he hasn't been able to fight in almost two and a half years because of an injury. And I think that that's going to play a big factor in this fight. So I don't want to overlook that. That this is going to be a guy that wants to get off to a quick start. Norbert Navini Jr. He wants to shed that ring rust early. That's why I don't see him winning in the first round. I see this ending in the second round by submission. Navini Jr. is going to get Andy Manzalo down. And he's going to submit him. It could be down due to strikes. It could be down due to uh, uh, flush takedown. And then gets in the dominant position and wins. I just know that where I'm looking at Andy Manzalo and I'm looking at Norbert Navini Jr. I have to put the respect where it should be with Norbert here because he's going to be overlooked a little bit in people's eyes until this fight happens. Now, he's not going to be overlooked by the sports books because this is their job. And he's a minus 340 favorite. Um, and some books have it uh, worse or price than that. Uh, but minus 340, uh, three to one favorite here. Big, big favorite against Andy Manzalo at plus 280 underdog and uh there's a big reason for that and and it's due to the fact that uh norbert um is such a 
force when he's in the octagon and because of his showings because of his performances is what we're able to gather and take away that he's going to make a big run in the Bellator promotion. Then we move on to a fight. Not a lot of people have scratched this one. Uh, I'm pretty confident in this pick. Like, I'm 100%, but I'm just, you know, I said pretty confident. I'm 100%. Gokom Sarikum versus Oleg Popov. I love the name right there, Oleg. Fighting out of Russia. Gokom fighting out of Turkey. Here's the difference in this fight is Oleg has not had those type of fights. Like, when I look at Oleg's fights those guys look like they were kind of just thrown at him because they they were trying to build him up and when i look at um gokom sarikam's fights when he when anybody tries to stand with him he ends up getting the best of them and once like when he did go to the ground and was beat by steve mowry like steve mowry was is no joke you're talking about three years ago you know what I mean? Like, it's been a long time since then. And six months ago, we seen Gokom and he looked, he looked good in there. I think he's going to come out and you're going to see that same version of him. And I think the fact that, you know, you have Antonio Silva who fought Oleg Popov seven months ago. So it's been seven months since he's had a fight. That's not too long because Gokom, what, six months ago? But you got to look at the promotions. Look at where they fought. You know, some MMA promotion where they fought, okay, good. But those are, you know, nothing compared to what Bellator is putting on. And here's Gokhan who built his record basically with Bellator fights. Um, and he's had his last four fights in Bellator and won them all. This is a guy that's a little bit taller too than Oleg. And I will say he's a little bit more in shape. And I think that's really going to help him in this fight. And I think he's going to end up getting the knockout victory um, in the second round. I think Oleg is going to meet a little bit of his match here. Like, you know, most heavyweights do at some point. There's tremendous value here for being on the side of Gokhan in this uh, fight. Plus 165 underdog against Oleg. And like I said, you haven't seen anything from Oleg and Bellator. You're, we're, everybody's basing this off of his other underground fights. Okay. And I'm not going down that road. Give me the guy. Don't give me the guy we think. Give me the guy who we've seen, who we know because he's in the promotion and in the last four fights he fought there and won them all. And they were against some serious competition. So no, I'm not going to go. Uh, astray here just because i see that plus 165 i would i'm definitely down to lay that then we get charlie ward versus mike shipman and this is a good fight at middleweight um charlie ward who you know you you don't really know what version you're gonna get of him and with mike shipman you get a guy who he looks good in his fights until he doesn't you know and nine months ago he fought Gregory Babini, got knocked out in Bellator, um, and he's lost his last three of five. Charlie Ward, 
was actually on a three-fight win streak until just three months months ago, lost to Fabian Edwards. Now, there's no shame there. It was a decision loss. It was unanimous he lost. But you're talking about um, a guy who's really been around for a long time at 42 years of age against Mike Shipman, 32 years of age, still pretty crafty at, at that age in MMA with uh, the 18 professional fights and Charlie Ward 10 and 5 um, overall. Uh, on the professional circuit here, but you have to look at this for what it is. SBG Ireland versus London Shoe Fighters, where you get a little taste of, uh, both, you know, the both, uh, uh, best of both worlds type of scenario here. But Charlie Ward may have a little bit of height advantage. He's a little bit narrow on the reach, but it's, it's nearly identical no matter how you split it. And fighting at middleweight, the one the one thing you question with the guy who's forty two is the cardio. Is can he go the distance? Can he really perform for that long? So I think he goes into that fight kind of feeling and knowing who he is at this point in his career, forty two years old, and he's fought a lot of the guys that are on this card. Um, and the thing uh, I will say about Charlie Ward is he has some power some hidden power in those hands and i think you're going to get a taste of that i do i think you're going to get a little taste of that and i think my shipment is too and um you know it's not like anybody's got a real big home field advantage i'd say charlie ward obviously is going to be more popular with the crowd but mike shipment fighting from england is definitely going to have some some fans or some support there um the general public consensus has been like majority of people think there's going to be a knockout and uh, there's a big populace of that that believes uh, a decision is very likely. I'm on the side that believes in the knockout. I think it's coming because I've just seen Mike Shipman uh, get crumbled in, you know, a couple fights here. And I'm, I'm just not having a lot of confidence in him right now. And Charlie Ward, one thing I know about him is, man, it takes a tank to, to put that guy down. Because he's been up against some real heavy hitters. And he's gone right toe-to-toe with them. He may leave himself exposed a little bit too much for my liking. But if he's doing it because he believes he can win. Or he believes he it will discourage the other guy. Then, you know, then that's just part of the fight. That's part of the head games that are played. But there's tremendous value here again. You know, back-to-back value. If this is the way they actually line the, the fights up. Then there's tremendous value back to back. You get plus 175 on Charlie Ward. That's a good day, baby. And Mike Shipman at minus 205, at minus, you know, 205 there. That, folks, that's a little bit much. Um, for a guy who in his last fight nine months ago got knocked out. Um, and then has lost three of his last five. There's something not right with that specific line. I don't like the look of that. Then I'm going to lay this next fight out for you really well. Uh, because I haven't heard it laid out this way, so I want to do it this way. You have Carl Morvers, Masiji Rosinski, um, at light heavyweight. And here's the thing. Okay, so when I was looking into this fight, Rosinski fights a lot lighter than this. And Carl Moore fights right around here. And Rosinski's trying to bump up, come up weight here and, and take this fight. And I respect that. But I, I don't think he understands what he's getting himself into. Now, hear me out. Carl Moore has won his last four or five, just like uh, Rosinski has. 
But the big difference between the two guys is that you have a guy who's normally fighting at light heavyweight against a guy who's bumping, moving up weight. So there's going to be a little bit of a fatigue factor here, in my opinion, a little bit of a slowdown because at light heavyweight, um, who normally fights here, he's going to have a lot of successes where he's normally fighting. You got a guy who's jumping up. He's going to have to catch up with himself. His footwork might not be all there. I think the timing's going to be a problem is my biggest concern with Rosinski. Now, a lot of people are starting to, the sharp money starting to come in on him because what's happening is the line is getting juicy. So the money's coming in on him saying, Hey, we know he's a good fighter. You know, there's, there's good film of him, good footage of him plus 125. That's a good spot. Their people are getting very confident in that. But, uh, Carl Moore minus 145 favorite here for a reason. This is one of SBG's best products. That's what I wanted to really say. He's a little bit taller. The reach is identical, but he does have a little bit of size here. And the other thing about him is he's, he's a workhorse. Like you're not going to like, it's not going to be like Rosensky's going to grab him and put him up against the cage and then be working him down. Like that's not what's going to happen here. What's going to happen here is this is going to be a brawl and Rosensky's going to try to try to stand with Carl and he's going to catch, he's going to catch some of that, that heat. And then we're going to see what happens. Now, my prediction is that Carl Moore is going to finish this fight in the second round with a KO slash TKO victory. Um, that's what I see happening in the second round. Now, a lot of people see it differently, but I don't think you get two guys at, at this weight class with this much power and get to a decision. I don't think that happens. Um, there's just too much. There's just too much um, riding here for both of these fighters at, you know, Carl Morris, 31 years of age. Marzigi Rosensky, 33 years of age. I mean, they're they're wanting to get it going. They're wanting to be champions. Um, and then they're looking to do it. The big point I'm trying to make is there's no sitting back in this fight. This is full force. And Carl Moore is going to get the better of him here. Like I said, Marzijo Rosensky, I just don't think he under really understands exactly what he's getting himself into with this fight. That's okay. He'll figure it out. Now we move to a fight that... Now, this at first was pretty hard. I'm not going to lie. At first, this was pretty hard to pick. Like, at first, I looked at this fight and I said, well, maybe Leonardo Sinus has a, a better shot here than Ciaran Clark. No, he doesn't. No. The more you look into it, the more you really delve into this fight, you know, uh, give you an example. Ciaran Clark at Featherweight right now fought Raphael Hudson, who people are making a big deal about is really good, even though he's an underdog on the card. The fact is he's still really good. He's on this card. Against Kazan Megamed Shapirov in a fight where people are arguing that he can win. So that just shows you the skill and the talent of another SBG Ireland product that they're really building. The real thing that Leonardo Sinus had going for him is that he's a little bit bigger, you know, two or three inches taller. Um, and then when he goes to the ground, it's not like he's done, like he actually can work on the ground. But see, he's worked on the ground when he's been in the dominant position. Here's a guy that's really good on the ground that's going to put you in awkward positions, that's going to try to beat up on you on the feet, and that's not scared to mix it up. So, you know, 
four months ago, he uh, Sir Ron Clark beats Raphael Hudson. Uh, five months ago, Leonardo Sinus beats John Elon Camula. So they both had about ample time to get ready for this fight. And you're talking about a guy right now in Ciaran Clark that um, is fighting at a, at a weight class where he's very comfortable at. And Leonardo Sinus has um, come down for this fight, come down and wait for this fight. So that's when it tipped my eyes. And I said, oh, no. When a guy comes down and wait, usually the cardio is cut in half. So if he was operating at 100% cardio, perfect lungs, everything flowing great, which I'm sure he is, then he comes down, wait, now he's operating like 70% of that. In Ireland, in Dublin, against a hometown guy, I just don't see it happening. Um, and it's not like he had to come far. But it's not like Ciaran Clark is like this pushover guy. No, when you go to the line, he's a 3-1 to favorite, minus 365. And people are trying to hit some value here, big value button on plus 300 Leonardo Sinus. That, folks, don't chase that. Don't chase. The value should be there. You shouldn't have to find the value all the time. You should be able to look and say there's value there. You don't have to sell it to me. And right there, you'd have to sell it to me on Leonardo Sinus. I think Clark wins this fight by a submission. I think in the second round of all rounds, second round, that's when that cardio starts to take effect. Uh, and I do think Leonardo can have some success in the first round. That's why they call him Pitbull. You know, there's a few of those Pitbulls out there, but he's one that does have some real stripes from a lot of his fights. You know what I mean? He's 11, five and one. He's really put on shows and, um, he's a good fighter. But you're, he's, a, he's a little bit outmatched here on the ground is what I'm trying to get across. Another SBG Ireland product. They're putting so much time in developing their, their fighters. Uh, I'm going to ride that, that train until we have to get off it. So then we have a rematch next where Sainid Kavanaugh uh, fights Janae Harding. The first fight, Janae Harding hit her with an elbow. It was ugly. Blood everywhere. I mean, they couldn't clean it up. It was so bad. So... The doctor came in, they're called to fight. Now they want to run it back after so long. And everybody keeps saying, well, look at Sine Kavanaugh beat Leah McCourt 11 months ago. And, um, you know, it's been over a year since uh, Janae Harding's had a win. So you got two women who you just got to look at it like who wants it more. Like I'm not big on revenge games and revenge fights. Because those don't tend to play out the way you think. I'm more like, okay, what happened here? What's happened? Because both women uh, can make it to a decision. But now you're talking about, since they haven't really fought, you know, Saineed hasn't really fought in a year. Janae hasn't had a win in a year, but she fought nine months ago. What's the cardio like? Are they coming in with fresh gas tanks? Let's assume they do. <clears throat> Let's assume that the cardio is fine in this fight for both ladies. Then both these fighters step up. And here's Saineed, who's a product of SBG Ireland. But Janae Harding, she she trains Muay Thai. And she, of all places, that Tiger Muay Thai. So, it's not like you're going to roll through her. And the consensus has been that Saineed's going to win by decision. Um, and I And I'm pushing against that. I'm throwing a little bit of a wrench into that because Janae Harding is 
in my opinion, better on the feet and showed that in their first fight when she pieced her up and hit her with the elbow. And then I think the other part of it, too, is um, Janae has a little bit of height and a little bit of reach, about two inches of height, two inches of reach. So standing reach is two inches, uh, almost almost enough to keep her on the outside for this fight. Then Saeed wants to talk about taking it to the ground or there are people behind her talking about taking it to the ground. That's not going to go as that is not going to go as planned. My money's on Harding here by decision. I think this goes the full three rounds. It's only a three round fight. It's not like they have to go the, the full five rounds or anything. It's a three round fight. And I think I think Saeed is just going to be oh, uh, outstruck. I think she's going to come and try to be the bully and try to get some revenge i think she'll have a little bit of success land some punches but you know and and i think the flurries aren't going to work the way she wants them to i think the the jab is your best friend in the in these type of situations when it's two fighters who really want to go at it and stand up and and prove you know janae's got a lot to prove herself that that wasn't a fluke so i think she's going to come out and work her jab and, and end up getting the victory in the judge's eyes so then we move on to Bryce Logan versus Peter Queeley. And a lot of people are dissing Peter Queeley. And I think that's wrong. You got to remember, here's an SBG product. I know you're getting sick of hearing that, but here's a fight, guy fighting out of SBG Ireland. Fought Benson Henderson all the way to decision four months ago. Lost decision. Fought uh, Patricky Pitbull, who's on a roll a year ago, year and three months ago, actually. And he got beat. But before that, he knocked out Patricky Pitbull. Then he had to take that fight quickly because Patricky Pitbull demanded it. Then, um, three years ago, you know, you're talking a long time ago, he fought Ryan Scope and knocked him out. Then before that, he lost a split decision to Miles Price. If I look at that body of work for Peter Quilly, those last five fights, that's a pretty healthy body of work. And the reason I say that is because the opponent level is high. It's very high. I mean, you're fighting, you literally had a grudge match against, you literally had a, uh, you know, a war of attrition, I should say, because not really a grudge match, but you really had a war of attrition against Patricky Pitbull. And then you had um, some other guys who you stopped dead in their tracks. Then you took Benson Henderson to a decision so you could show you could still go the distance. Then he comes into this fight against Bryce Logan, who's got to fly all the way from over there in South Dakota, all the way here to Ireland, get prepped, get trained, get ready to go here. Um, and he's short on reach, right? So the reach for Peter Quill is about 75 inches, just about. And Bryce Logan's at a flat 70 inches. So it's almost five inches of reach going to Peter Quilly. And he's not going to have to get in, get in over his head if he doesn't want to. So I feel like he's going to be very, comfortable very cautious in this fight very calculated and like i said all these guys from sbg on this card you know they have information and dirt on their opponents they're they're retooling uh in their in their shop just like nascar just like the way they tune the cars up and change their data the way these fighters have data now and they're looking at how these guys fight and, and training against guys that are exactly like them sbg has been able to do that really well because they have so many fighters in so many different weight classes so they can get different heights and different sizes and different styles. And I just think it's a little bit of a jump for Bryce Logan who's lost his last three fights. You're talking about Peter Quilly who lost his last two. Okay, big whoop. Um, you he, Look at who he lost to. And it wasn't like he got destroyed in both fights. One fight he got beat. Okay, that was 
for Tricky Pitbull, who really turned up the Jets. And then the other one was Benson, Benson Henderson, who's not a slouch. Um, but now you're really looking at Peter Quilly, who's looking to come back. And Bryce Logan's going to have a little bit of uh, an uphill battle in this fight. So I'm going to take Peter Quilly there. I think he's going to stop Bryce Logan. I think the cardio becomes a factor for Bryce in the third round. And Peter Quilly gets a finish and uh, puts some respect on his name. Now we're down to the co-main event. In the main event, folks, here we go. Finishing out the Super Show strong, baby. Pedro Carvalho versus Jeremy Kennedy in the co-main event. And here's a guy I actually do think is going to travel pretty well. I just get a good feeling about this Jeremy Kennedy guy. Um, You know, he was in the UFC. He had a ton of success. And then he was kind of cast aside after one loss. And I feel like that ignited a fire in the sky. Fighting with Extreme Couture up against another product of SBG Ireland. But here's the thing about Kennedy is he's built to go the distance. And Pedro Carvalho is too. I think Kennedy's going to, you know, give him a little bit uh, of a, you know, more than he, than he's uh, bargained for. But I do think Carvalho can give him a run for his money. Uh, I think this is going to go all the way. I think Carvalho is going to take more of the damage and that's going to sway the judge's decision um, to Kennedy here. I don't think this is going to be a fight at featherweight. You know, there's a lot of featherweight fights on this card, but I don't think this is a fight at featherweight where you're going to get much of a scare um, or a finish happening. I think this is pretty comfortably going to decision. I think both these fighters are are built for that, you know, and I think that the more they engage, the more they've wanted to push the paces when they found themselves in trouble. So I think they're both very okay with um, going ahead and and just basically taking this, you know, fight to decision and letting the judges handle it. I really do believe that. Um, I don't want to dress it up that way because I do think it'll be a good fight. I do think there's going to be some damage done, but I don't think anybody's going to overcommit. And if anybody does, they're the ones that are probably going to lose. I think Jeremy Kennedy's comfortable with, with taking this the distance. I think that the cardio with him is going to travel coming from, uh, fighting, fighting out of Las Vegas, Nevada, but, uh, with the gym, extreme couture, but, uh, the Canadian national, I think he's ready for this. I, I think he's ready for this fight. I, I think he's the one guy I'm, I'm singling out here. I think he's going to travel pretty, pretty well. Then we get to the main event. And this is a fight where everybody's trying to get you away from the guy who should surely win. And Yaroslav Amazov. And he's taking on Logan Storley, who they fought before. And just Storley wasn't able to really make a dent. Wasn't able to put a dent in Yarazov's uh, armor. And they're saying, you know, Yarazov's taking time away from the sport. He hasn't fought in over a year. But folks, I mean, when you look at who he fought... How can you go against this guy? Then the power's there. The size is there. The reach. Um, and then when you got into the fight, you look back at it. It was nothing for Yarrow to take uh, Storley down. So I just don't know what's different now. Um, it hasn't been like a decade since they fought. It's been two years and three months. And nine months ago... Logan Storley did beat MVP by a split decision. So it wasn't unanimous. Um, and so that means, you know, that, that could have went either way. When they, when these two fought, Amazov was the beneficiary of the split decision. But to me, it was unanimous that he won the fight. Now, 
Maybe you could say majority. That's okay too. But no, I do believe that, um, that it was unanimous that, uh, Yarrow won that fight. And I think he's going to go put the doubters, cast them doubters back to where they came from, you know, because if he, if he, if this goes to another decision, you're like, ah, well then are you really, you know, much better than that guy? I think he's going to go put this away at the welterweight for the welterweight championship. I think he's going in there with a purpose to, to, you know, hold the gold up and he's going to finish this by submission in the second round. And I think a lot of that is also because he's been away for so long. He doesn't even want to test the cardio. He doesn't even want to mess with that. He said, I'm going to come out and I'm going to put my best foot forward and win this fight. That's the way I truly see that fight going. And I'm on the side of Amazov there. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and toss out my uh, parlays for you. And I took them separately. Um, just, you know, I just felt like that would be a smart wave to hit. So I'm going to toss those out to you when I come back. So this is just a, based on a confidence level. So my first parlay, you have two picks. And it's going to give you a good return here. So Carl Moore at minus 130. Combined with Yaroslav Amazov at minus 155. And that's going to give you plus 191 odds. So I'm loving that. Carl Moore and Yaroslav Amazov on the parlay. Um, so, so you got two heavy hitters right there. Then I seen another one that really stood out. And I said, you know what? I'm going to combine that one too. Because I, I think there's that's worth it. One big heavy favorite, we talked about him, the rising prospect, rising star in Bellator, Norbert Navini Jr. coming off that big injury, ready to put his best foot forward, and uh, he's up against Andy Manzalo. I got Norbert Navini Jr. money line, minus 410, combined with the Sultan Asal Aduji, minus 130. That's going to bring back plus 120 odds, so there's two parlays for you, all the precise picks, and now... I'm going to do something for you and run through all the precise picks, give you all my winners before I sign off out of here. And I know you appreciate that. All right, let's go with this. We got first fight, Rafael Hudson versus Kassan Megamed Shapiroff. I'm taking Megamed Shapiroff, KO second round. Second fight, Joel Kuwaja versus Stephen Hill. I'm taking Stephen Hill, KO second round. Dimitri Hustinko versus Daniel Scatizzi. I'm taking Scatizzi by decision. Craig McIntosh versus Kenny Mokana. I'm taking Mokana by submission in the second round. Elina Colleen Jujo versus Gina Bishop. I'm taking Colleen Jujo by decision. Asiela Dujo, the Sultan versus Liam McCracken. Give me a Dujo by decision. These two are going to be sore after this fight. Dorvel Jordan versus Derog Kelly. Give me Kelly. KO slash TKO in the first round. Piorce Nazilski versus Richie Smolin. I hate to go against uh, Ireland in this one, but I have to. I'm going with Piorce Nazilski to win by decision. Brian Moore versus Luca Levine. I'm going with Brian Moore by decision. He's going to get this done no matter what. Andy Manzalo versus Norbert Navini Jr. I'm taking Navini Jr. by submission in the second round. He will lock this one up. 
Gokom Sarikum versus Oleg Popoff. I'm taking Gokon Sarikum. KO slash TKO in round number two. Charlie Ward, the heavy-handed Charlie Ward versus Mike Shipman. Strong as an ox, Shipman. I'm going with Charlie Ward, KO slash TKO in the round number three. I think the cardio is going to be in a factor here. Masin Rosensky versus Carl Moore. Carl Moore is just too dangerous at this weight class. Um, Rosinski jumping up here is just going to, it's not going to work right away. It's not going to click. More by KO slash TKO, round number two. <clears throat> Leonardo Sinus versus Carry On Clark. I'm going with Clark by submission in round number two. He's just going to be too much for Sinus here. Sinead Kavanaugh versus Janae Harding. Um, everybody's trying to get us away from taking who should win this fight in Janae Harding. I'm going with Janae Harding. Hollow point by decision. Peter Quilly versus Bryce Logan. Great fight. Uh, looking forward to it, but I do think Peter Quilly is going to get the stoppage here in the third round. KO slash TKO victory. Uh, Jeremy Kennedy versus Pedro Cavarlo. I like Kennedy to win by decision. I think that's, like I said, the one fighter that's going to travel pretty well. I think he's battle-tested. He's, he's battle-hardened, actually, and he's ready for this fight. Yaroslav Amazov versus Logan Storley. Um, I, I really like Amazov here, man, and I like him to win this fight inside the distance by submission in the second round. I think he gets the job done. Folks, that cleans up 18 predictions for Bellator 291. Amazov versus Storley. Ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night and God bless. Palms 374.